Finally. I know, I know. We're like five days late, but that's fine. That's fine. This is the Monday Night Raw Review. My name is Matt Sin. I'm here with my brother Micah, and this is episode 80 of Wrestle Life Radio. It's a lot of episodes. I know. I know. And we're we're doing this one late on purpose this week. And the reason we're we're posting this show so late is because we're redoing our schedule. And I know I mentioned this to you guys last week. I just want to go over it one more time. Our weekend review show will now be released on Wednesday, which means we'll be recording or we'll be reviewing the same three episodes, but in a slightly different order. So uh, so we don't actually so the three of us can continue to review all three shows. We're doing just raw right now. And then on Wednesday we'll have uh, dynamite raw and SmackDown all being reviewed again, just like normal. And then our second show every week, instead of being released on Fridays, will now be released on Saturdays, just like this one. So I hope you guys will be able to enjoy it and find some time to listen to it. And if you have any grievances, that's Kyle.Polly on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, you can blame it on Kyle. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna start doing, doing soccer. You cool if we change the days?" I'm like, "That's fine. Whatever. We're we're good with it." That's Kyle dot <laughs> So let's get into Monday Night Raw. Uh, and Raw opened really strong and closed really strong. Now, wasn't much, wasn't much to it in the middle. It's like when you have a sandwich, and you have like. Think of like, okay, Micah, so I'm going I'm to relate it to you. So I hope everyone else can relate too. Think of like the Earl of Sandwich, right? We're going to downtown Disney. And we're getting this wonderful, just crunchy, delicious bread. And for those that you don't, of you that don't know, Earl of Sandwich is my favorite sandwich in the world. They have it at downtown Disney and a few other places. And it's this wonderful, wonderful cooked fresh bread and all this wonderful meat on the inside. This raw was those two wonderful pieces of bread. But there was nothing in the middle. It was just air. So you're eating an air sandwich. And that's kind of what Raw that's kind of felt like Raw was. It was a roll. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason that I'm making this food pun is because I was recently on Junk Foodies. So if you want to hear me on another podcast talking about ridiculous junk food, including Ruby Kit Kats, white cheddar popcorn, and some of the worst blueberry Red Bull I've ever had in my life, go check him out. The, his podcast is really awesome. And uh, I was on the most recent episode, and that's you can find him anywhere, Spotify, Anchor. He's there uh, at Junk Foodies. Really good podcast. I wanted to give him one more plug. And uh, yeah, so let's talk about Raw. Let's do it. So Raw opened up with the Royal Rumble winner, Drew McIntyre. He came out and he said, you know what? I know a lot of people come out here and they take their time. They, you know, string you along. They tell you who they're going to wrestle, but not for weeks. That's not my personality. I'm going to tell you right now who I'm wrestling at Royal Rumble, and I choose Brock Lesnar. And I want to point out that he got two, not one, two huge pops this week. One when he was coming out like a star. His pop was huge. And then as he said he was going to face Brock Lesnar, also huge. I mean, Drew McIntyre is really getting over. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter go, Drew's not ready. Drew's not ready. Well, listen, guys. This guy was with the three-man band. He left. He killed it in the Indies. And now he's back. And this is the same thing as Batista getting pushed. A lot of people said Batista wasn't ready. Those people were wrong. (laughs) And they're wrong about Drew McIntyre as well. 
this guy, if you don't pull the trigger now, when are you going to do it? Because everyone last year was saying, he's ready, push him. And then he went back down to the card, and they're like, oh, now he's not ready. Yeah, he is. He's there. And if they can write well, and again, we know it's WWE, but if they can write halfway well, this guy is going to be a major superstar. I mean, he's got the look. He can, he's got the mic skills. He's got the talent in the ring. He's young enough to be around for a while. This guy could be a major superstar. Yeah, I really think Drew has the opportunity to be what they wanted Roman to be. They're really now trying to push him as a obviously like a top babyface kind of scenario. Um, if he ends up taking Brock for the championship, obviously he will be top babyface of the company. Uh, but it's they're organically they've they've organically built him up. It wasn't like Roman where it seemed kind of forced, but he's he's grown his way up through the card. I mean he's been around a while now, and I won't talk too much about the Royal Rumble, but in the Royal Rumble. You saw the making of a star. I mean, it wasn't something that you felt forced down your throat. It was just organic growth. And now you've got this guy who's got fantastic mic skills. He's got the physique of – he's a giant. I mean, he made, he made Brock Lesnar look like a child. I mean, great physique, great look. He's fantastic on the mic from everything I've seen. I think he's going to be a great star. And I think if they bill him right, just like you said – I think he's going to be top babyface, and I hope so. And I think it might be it might take some time before he is the guy because Roman Reigns is pretty set in stone there. But I I'd really think that Drew McIntyre can take over for Roman because Roman's already said, "Hey, I don't want to wrestle forever. I'm thinking three to five more years, and then I'm going to you know try to get into movies with The Rock, and I or, or like The Rock, excuse me." And that's fine if that's what he wants to do. I don't blame anyone for not wanting to get into the ring, you know, and do it for the rest of their lives, ruin their bodies, ruin potentially their mind, you know, if they have head injuries. But I, I, I think Drew McIntyre is going to be around a long time. He is one of those guys that loves this business. And you can tell by the way he talks, by the way his reaction was, the Royal Rumble. I mean, this guy wants to do this. And it makes me really happy to see someone like him who's worked his butt off for like 18 years, finally get a push he deserves. Yeah, I think all it really will take is him beating Brocket Mania, and he'll be there, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Same thing happened with Batista. Really the same thing happened with Cena. You know, he was very organic, and people turned on him because he became Super Cena. But Cena was very organic as well when he beat the Big Show for the U.S. title, and then the very next year beat JBL for the world title. I mean, it was... You couldn't have planned it any better... If, you know, they actually tried, you know, they, they probably just fell right into their lap. But, you know, I, I this is just such a good situation, and I hope it works out for Drew. Yeah, I agree. So he's out there. He cuts his promo, and he says, you know what? I'm in the mood to claymore someone in the head. Anyone that has the balls, and everyone goes, ooh, because you can't say balls on, in WWE, or you couldn't up until a few months ago. And he said, anyone that has the balls to come out here, I will take you on. So the OC come out. AJ Styles is injured. These guys have nothing to do. Why not job them out to Drew McIntyre? They come out and Carl Anderson says, Carl Anderson says, you know what, Drew? I'll take you on tonight. Luke Gallo says, actually, Drew, I'm going to take you on tonight. And Drew McIntyre, like a true bad A he is, says, I'll take you both on. The match lasts two minutes. He claymores them both. He drags Gallows on top of Anderson and pins them. 
and he looks like a monster. Yeah. Was- As they're rolling out of the ring, and he's watching them roll out of the ring, who is to show up but Brock Lesnar? F5's Drew, and he looks, Brock Lesnar at this point looks like he's really into this. And he, Brock's one of those guys where you can tell if he doesn't really want to do something. And he looks like he's pumped for this feud. And so he, he F5's McIntyre, rolls out of the ring. McIntyre sells it very well. And then Heyman is putting over Lesnar as they walk away. This whole thing was great. It was really great. And I hate that the OC had to be those guys that you know had to look dumb, lose at a 2v1 where they're both getting pinned in two minutes. You know what, guys? Drew McIntyre, is he could be special. And if this were to happen to a tag team and it was done by The Rock or Stone Cold, no one would have said, oh, how dare we you know, job out this tag team. McIntyre's going to be that guy. He is. He is going to be that guy. I'm predicting, I'm predicting it now. He will be a superstar in 12 months. And if he's not a superstar about next WrestleMania, you guys can call me out. But he'll be a superstar in the next 12 months. Um, and I, I, I don't really have a problem with it as much as I love the OC. Yeah, and, and with AJ being injured, there's not like there's anything for them to do aside from AJ. What have they done apart from AJ in the last six months? Nothing. It's all been AJ. Nothing really, period. I mean, they were with AJ and they were with Balor. That's really all they've done in the WWE. They had very short tag title runs, but that's it. Yeah, they haven't done a lot uh, on their own. I also will throw out there that uh, Drew McIntyre said he wanted to throw a Claymore party. And uh, I'm waiting for the Young Bucks to throw copyright infringement on that because they're the only ones that can throw <laughs> kick parties. But, that yeah. would be really great. I also saw a sign in the crowd that says, this isn't Su- Suplex City, this is Claymore County. And I thought that was really funny. That's pretty great. Yeah. Rey Mysterio versus MVP is next. And I don't know... Like, okay, obviously no disrespect to Ray, right? One of the greatest of all time. But how often do you see someone come back and then lose their first match? MVP basically was wrestled in the Royal Rumble for like 20 seconds. He came back and wrestled Rey Mysterio and lost in like seven or eight minutes. And I don't get it. it maybe this isn't a long-term return for MVP, but I, I just, yeah. I don't know. I don't think you can come back and lose your opening match. Yeah, so I always liked MVP um, when he was... Fresh, I'll say. I'm not gonna say relevant because that would be rude. Yeah. But uh, when he was he was big in WWE, I, w- I was a big fan of his. Um, seeing him come back in the in the Rumble, I was like, all right, all right, here comes MVP, and then up oh, he gets thrown out. So I thought really that was just a one off appearance. You know, it's kind of like, oh, MVP's here. That's a that's a name you recognize, you can pop at, and that would be the last we saw of him. But I guess he's back on the roster according to WWE's website, and. First of all, why put him against Ray? Because obviously you don't want to you don't want to beat Ray right now. I mean, Ray's not been in the greatest standing win loss right, uh, wise here lately, so you don't want to bury Ray. But I mean, this match is so unimportant. Hulu didn't even stream it. I didn't even get to see it because it wasn't streamed on Hulu, and it wow. was basically equivocated to like Aleister Black's jobber matches, and to have a big return of someone who as at one time a really big star not even get the cut that's that's pretty bad i mean it's not really respectful of him or his re- career in my opinion right and, and and if you are him why even come back for this 
you know, maybe they're doing something with him. Maybe they just, you know, wanted to have a filler match for this crowd this week or something, but I don't get it. Okay, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I just, I don't know. It just doesn't, we've already talked about it. I don't want to go on and on, but it just doesn't make sense. It's a little disappointing. Uh, anyway, the ending happened. MVP kind of botched it or raided one or the other. He went for the 619. Uh, MVP kind of moved and he stood up and Ray connected with his back. And he fell over. Ray hit a frog splash and uh, to MVP's back and counted one, two, three. So, yeah, I don't know if that obviously wasn't the planned finish. Something weird happened, but whatever. We go to Aleister Black. Aleister Black wrestles a jobber, beats the jobber. I hate jobber matches. We move on. But this segment wasn't to have a match. This segment was meant for the promo. So I'm kind of okay with it because it gave him a reason to come out there. He beat someone in two seconds to move on. And he says, for the longest time, I've been out here waiting for someone to pick a fight with me. And he talks about how most people are too afraid to pick a fight with him and he's not going to wait anymore. And he also said that you know people are blaming Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy and AOP for causing him to be eliminated, but he believes that um, if he's eliminated, it's his fault. If he doesn't finish the job, he takes responsibility. And I thought that was kind of cool. That's an attitude that I think more people should have in real life. And I think it's kind of cool that someone that's a big good guy on a TV show yeah, has that stance. So we go to the tag team titles for Raw, the Raw tag team titles. That was a weird way to say it. Excuse me. We got Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. And this was this was just weird. This whole thing was weird. Samoa Joe got injured in the middle of it. Hopefully not, you know, too bad. So Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens come out. And Rollins and Murphy are in the ring. And Seth Rollins has just cut a promo sitting out. He, he's ready for a fight. And they can come down whenever they want. He's ready to take them on. And so Kevin and Samoa Joe come out. And they're like, well, you guys... Uh, you seem to be more of uh, ready to fight tonight than you usually are. Our AOP under the ring. And Kevin's, or, and Seth says, of course not. That's ridiculous. Come on, let's get down here and let's fight. And Samoa Joe's like, ho, 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 hold on. You know, I, I don't believe you. You're a liar. And Seth says, how dare you call me a liar? I'll show you where they are. I have a camera in my personal locker room. And then you see Akam and Razor standing there looking kind of like doofs. And so they're standing there. And Seth says, say something to him." And they say stuff in their own languages. And Kevin's like, I don't understand why that proves anything. We work for a giant multimedia company that cameras are everywhere and we're recording everything. And Seth says, no, no, bring it back up, bring it back up. And so he says, talk to him again. So they speak to him. And Kev says, that's your locker room. Yeah, says Seth. And Kevin says, perfect. Now we don't have to look for him. And the Viking Raiders come and just start destroying them. But here was what was so strange to me. Like, I don't feel like anything really happened. Like, they were fighting in the middle, and then referees kind of tore them apart. So AOP is obviously still okay and good to go. But now Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy's like, no, how dare you? Our plans are ruined. And, like, it doesn't make sense. The Viking Raiders had laid out AOP. I get it. I don't know. Maybe they were supposed to be fighting for the next 15 minutes, I guess. I don't know. It was it was kind of weird. The match was good. 
uh, because of course it was. It's Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, Seth Rollins, and Buddy Murphy. Uh, there was one really bad spot where Samoa Joe was going for a suicide dive, and he hit Buddy Murphy, uh, and he basically landed straight on his face, maybe a little bit on his head, and it looked pretty rough. Did you see that? Yeah, it looked really bad. So seeing this, the the what's coming afterwards, the, them taking him out of the match, and it basically turning into a handicap match, I'm thinking, man, that seems a lot like WWE booking of a match. Seems like a way to get out of uh, Joe and, and Kevin losing. Right. But still having Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy retain the title. But if you watch that spot, he hits his head good. Yeah. I mean, he it looked like the dive was a little bit short of Buddy Murphy. Like, he got a little bit of him. Yeah. But mostly he got the floor with his head. And Samoa Joe was, weighs a lot. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's... That's not like Darby Allen falling on his head from a suicide dive. Right. That's 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 a lot of weight coming down. Yeah, he no, had, he no hit the ground with a, a big boy. Yeah, he hit the ground with a big kathunk. You could hear it. Yeah. I'm like, oh boy. And uh, also, WWE is pretty good about you know when they go to commercial, when they come back, it's pretty much the same thing on your screen. Right. So we go to we we have the dive happen. They go to commercial, and you come back and Samoa Joe's not there, and they they show a replay. And uh, of the dive, and then they show a clip of referees basically carrying him out, and he's selling. I mean, he's like, I assume he's selling. He's falling on his knees in pain or whatever, walking out uh, the ramp. So I don't know. It really seems like it could be booking. It could be uh, all for show, but it looked like he really hurt his head, man. Yeah, and I hope I'm wrong. But I think he got injured again, and it would really suck because he really just got back from injury. Yeah, what was his injury he was out with, you know? Uh, man, I don't remember. It had something to do with his arm or his wrist because remember he had that that uh, cast on his arm? Yeah, it wasn't a concussion or anything, though. Yeah. Because this yeah. looked like a concussion injury. Yeah, I know. So I don't know. That's one of those things where you know we all want to fantasy book Samoa Joe as the WWE champion. We all love Joe. He's good at literally everything in, when it comes to wrestling. But the reality is, he really is injury prone, and I can understand them not wanting to, you know, build this guy up, give him a title, and then for him to just get hurt immediately after. I, I do get it; it's important, and the best ability is availability. So I understand. But the match was good. The ending was dumb because Buddy Murphy rolled up Kevin Owens, and I don't want to give too much crap because the ending honestly was fine. But we just see so many roll ups; it just gets really annoying. So, Kevin Owens is fighting them both off as best as he can. Buddy Murphy rolls them up, grabs the tights. It is a, it's a great conclusion. It's great. But because we've seen it so much, we're conditioned to hate it. It's also a two-on-one handicap match, and the fact that they have to win right. by a surprise roll-up is not very good in their advantage. You know, it's it, Kevin Owens is basically just laying the smackdown on him. I mean, he was hitting, with, hitting yeah. both with stunners, with frog splashes, uh, it, Crazy, crazy moves, and the only way they eked out a win is a surprise roll-up. I don't think that looks good for him. No. So we move on to a United States Championship match with Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade. And they announced it earlier in the show, and I literally, I didn't go, oh man, this is going to be a really fun match. These guys are both talented. I said out one word, and I said, why? Why? Andrade just beat Humberto clean the night 
before. During the Royal Rumble, on the pre-show, beat him clean. Why in the world does this guy get another title opportunity? I don't get it. It makes no sense. But it's WWE's lazy booking. And then come to find out that Andrade is suspended for 30 days for a wellness policy violation. And I don't know what it was for. You know, the the general thought is usually steroids, but that's not fair to say because that's not always the case. But that's neither here nor there. The match was really good. Uh, Honestly, I think I liked it a little better than the Royal Rumble match, but all that matters is Humberto hit his finisher. He was pinning Andrade, and then at one, two, Zelina Vega slides in and attacks Humberto. Humberto goes crazy. He attacks Andrade. He pulls up the mat. And as Zelina Vega and the referee are screaming at him, telling him, don't do this, Humberto. Don't do this. He does it anyway. And he DDTs Andrade's head onto the concrete floor. It was kind of bittersweet because that's what Andrade did to him. So Humberto's got that edge to him. I don't think they're turning him heel. But Andrade looks like he's half dead. Selena Vega might be the best actress in all of the WWE. And she is freaking the crap out. Like barely touching his head, holding back tears. It is just, she does a wonderful job selling this. Yeah, he she doesn't do anything to try and stop it really. I mean, she tries, she tells him no, but yeah. she could have she could have kicked him or something. Threw her, threw her heel at him at least. But I, yeah. I thought it was funny. The commentary team were sure to mention it a couple times that this is the same thing that Andrade did to Umberto that kept him out for 30 days. And it just so happens that the wellness policy violation is 30 days. <laughs> That's actually really smart. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I thought that was pretty clever. I will say uh, they've got a new announcing team this week. I don't know if you mentioned that. Oh, that's right. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, they've got uh, is it Byron. and Yeah, Byron Saxton, Todd Phillips, and Jerry Lawler. Yeah, and I, I will say I actually really enjoyed the three of them together. I didn't have a problem with, I think it was Vic Joseph was the other guy's name. Yeah. But I, I do enjoy this trio better than I did the duo before. So Todd Phillips and Byron Saxton were with Corey Graves at one point, and they did a great job. Um, and then Todd Phillips and Byron Saxon have been regulars on SmackDown, and they took them off. And uh, they bought Vic Joseph and Dio Madden in on Raw when Corey and Michael Cole went to SmackDown. And I like Vic Joseph a lot, and I love Dio Madden with his nerdy stuff. I know that you know that wasn't very Vince McMahon. He didn't like that stuff, but I did. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it didn't really fit. Like I understand why McMahon didn't want him on there. I have no idea why Vic Joseph got taken off, but I love Todd Phillips, so I'm I'm glad he's back. Byron Sexton I used to hate, but he's he's gotten a lot better now and he's grown on me. I think he's I think he does an okay job. Yeah. So, so back, Char- back to back to the match, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so Charlotte Flair comes out and uh basically Charlotte Flair is just like Randy Orton here, where you don't really know what she is. And in AEW, that's okay. I'm not trying to be two-faced here and say you can do one thing in AEW and one thing in WWE. And I'm okay with them doing this in WWE if this is something they're you know going to tell good stories with. I just don't trust WWE to do it. But AEW has some characters that you don't necessarily know if they're good or bad. Sometimes they flip back and forth. Well, Charlotte Flair's been doing this for months. And we have no idea if she's good or bad because she's been playing kind of the face. 
And then she comes out and she says, at WrestleMania, I will challenge a champion. Oh, don't you guys want to know? And I'm like, all right, well, okay, she's playing a heel. And then the Kabuki Warriors come out. And Asuka says, if I was in the Royal Rumble, I would have won the whole thing. And Charlotte says, is that a challenge? And they just attack her. Yeah, and then you go to commercial and you come back and they're in a match. Yeah. Or at least that's what happened on Hulu. So, so Asuka and Charlotte, what? So what is Charlotte here? Because Asuka's clearly a heel. Yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on here. When Asuka came out, I thought, well, what? The, this doesn't make any sense. What? Why? Because they just had this big feud with Becky. Right. Clearly, Charlotte is not her next big feud. She can't come out here and beat Charlotte. She just won the Rumble. Charlotte doesn't need to bury Asuka. What are they doing? And I have no idea. It turns out, I don't think they're doing anything. I think they just wanted Asuka on the show. And uh, not to spoil the ending, but nothing happened. Literally nothing. You know what happened in the very last match where there was a DQ finish? It happened here too. Kyrie Sane just attacked Charlotte Flair. And get, they get disqualified. It's just ugh, so dumb. I hated it. The match was good, though, and it lasted 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, it actually had like two commercial breaks in it, I think. So live, it was probably a very, very long match. Yeah. Um, I will say, so what I think Charlotte's going to do, if you want to talk about that a bit. Okay. I don't think she's going to go for Becky, because we've okay. seen that a million times. I don't think she's going for Bailey. I think she's going after the NXT champion. Yeah, I've seen a couple people say that. I've also seen people say the tag team titles, which would be incredibly stupid. Please don't do that. Really dumb. But I, I would be all for Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch would be amazing, and I'm okay with that being on WrestleMania. But I've seen it so much. I've seen it so much recently. Everyone's seen it. I mean, yeah, and I certainly don't want to see Charlotte versus Bailey again. So I have a, a couple things I think supporting my theory. Number one, they didn't want okay. to announce her facing the NXT champion until after the. Uh, the feud with Bianca Belair is over with. Okay. They don't, want to, they don't want to overshadow that. Number two, if Charlotte comes in and beats Rhea Ripley, she'll be part of NXT, and that'll be a boost to their ratings. If she comes in and loses to Rhea Ripley, again, boost to their ratings because their champion just beat Charlotte Flair. Yeah. And as much as some people may say they're just trying to have NXT steal viewers from AEW, that's not who Vince McMahon is. I think for too long when he sees that Triple H is not – beaten AEW or not even coming close to some of their numbers, you're going to see a little bit more of Vince McMahon in NXT. And I think that will be a little bit of an interjection of him into NXT. Uh, okay. Which I don't necessarily think will be a bad thing. Uh, I think they could use a little bit of Vince McMahon. Not much, because I think what they have going there is pretty good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that's what this is leading to. And Honestly, I'd really be looking forward to that match. I think it'd be a really good match. And they could also build it upon, you know, Charlotte could come out and say, hey, NXT's got the most powerful women's division of any sports entertainment company, which yeah. they do. And yeah. they could go that route. You could say, I've faced Charlotte. I mean, I've faced Becky. I've faced Bailey. You know, who's next? Mm-hmm. Rhea Ripley. I, th- I think that's something to look forward to. And uh, also on the Women's Rumble, the two – uh, most dominant players were Shayna Baszler and Bianca Belair. Yeah. They had the most eliminations of anybody. They were tied. So I think that's what they're leading to. I think everything we saw in the Rumble was pretty good storytelling, and I think that's going to be uh, part of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm down. 
I, I hope that you're right. Because I would really like to see Charlotte Flair wrestle Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. And I don't want to get too much into it because I think we'll probably wind up doing a roundtable on this. But I would really like to see both the men and women's NXT champions wrestle at WrestleMania. Yeah, I agree. So, after the Oscar-Charlotte match, we have a backstage segment with the Street Profits. They tell us what all happened at the Royal Rumble. Kelly Kelly comes out. Angela Dawkins flirts with her. This segment was bad. We're moving on. Mojo Raleigh comes out with a 24-7 title, and he says, I am a fighting champion. I will not be running. And he introduces Riddick Moss, who is his offensive lineman, which is funny because Riddick Moss was a linebacker at the University of Minnesota. That is not an offensive lineman. That is not even an offensive player, but whatever. That's super nitpicky, and it doesn't actually bother me. I just thought it was funny to point out. And so basically he's his bodyguard. Uh, Mojo Raleigh destroys No Way Jose because everybody destroys No Way Jose. But you know what? That's fine because No Way Jose's gimmick is hot garbage. I don't want to see him on my TV. Let him be a jobber. Boom. Mojo Raleigh gets a win. Then someone from the conga line comes in to roll up Mojo Raleigh, and it's our truth in like this hamburger outfit. And so right afterwards, he's going to leave, but Riddick Moss stops him. Mojo Raleigh hits our truth with his finisher and gets the one, two, three. Wins his title back and walks away. Now, what's kind of weird about this is for months, we had like people chasing each other, being randomly stupid. And now, Mojarali is like, I'm just going to be a fighting champion. Anyone can come attack me. And instead of having 12 goobers chase him, you just, nothing, nothing happens. And it's just strange. Yeah, this match, this this entire segment wasn't even on Hulu. So that tells how important WWE <laughs> thinks the 24-7 championship is. Yeah, well, it wasn't. Well, if they're not careful, that may be their only singles title they have on the show. Yeah. Speaking of unimportant, Lana versus Liv Morgan was next. Rusev and uh, Bobby Lashley were banned from ringside. Liv Morgan won in two minutes. The match was hot garbage. Moving on. Eric Rowan beats a jobber. Nothing happens. Moving on. Edge. Edge comes out. Now, here's the thing. Here's my complaint with this. Now, first of all, this was all good. But in the first 30 minutes of the show, we heard that Edge is coming back tonight, tonight on Raw, three times. And then they did it four more times throughout the show. So we were reminded seven times. I'm like, oh my gosh, bring the guy out already. We get it, okay? We all love Edge. It's fine. It was just kind of annoying. But the the segment was great. So again, I'm not ragging on Edge here, obviously. I'm ragging on the WWE for just pushing it down our throats. Just my gosh, my gosh. Did they do the thing on live TV where they showed each like a lot of his big matches? Yeah. Okay, I, did, I wasn't sure if that was just Hulu, but that was a lot of airtime. That was. And, like, I think two of the first three, they didn't show anything. It was just, like, Edge is here. I'm like, okay, I get it. I understand. Like, his music would hit, and I'd be like, yeah, here he comes. And then, no, just another just another teaser, and it's very frustrating. Please don't turn the channel and watch the highlights on YouTube. That's basically what yeah, you're saying here. Exactly. Exactly. We'll go to the ring. Edge comes out. He gets a huge, huge pop. He gives this really, really good promo and talks about how it's been nine years and he's glad he's back. 
there's a lot more to this promo, but it's very heartfelt. I think all of you guys should actually go watch it. It's on YouTube, so I'm not going to you know go deep into it. it it's a very good segment. Uh, he gets a little emotional, really good. Randy Orton comes out, and Orton says, you know what? When we were tag team partners, a lot of people used to give up on me, but I would, you know, I would dig a hole for myself that was hard for me to get out of. I still do, but I did a lot when I was younger, and your hand was always there to pull me up. You're my brother, and I appreciate you. He hugged, They hug each other, and uh, Trent Beretta gets very upset on Twitter. I don't know if he actually did, but he should. And so Randy Orton says, how about one last time we put Rated RKO back together? And Edge is thinking about it. He agrees and gets RKO'd to the floor. Randy Orton gets booed like no one you've ever heard before. And then he grabs a steel chair and he attacks him with it. He then places it over Edge's neck and he pretends he gets up on the second uh, turnbuckle and he acts like he's going to stomp on it. And he's acting like he's all, you know, I don't really know if I want to do this. Very un-Randy Orton-like. And so he takes his head out of it. He takes Edge's head out of the chair. And he starts to walk away. He goes up the ramp. But he comes back, and he's all angry. He's grabbing another chair. And he puts Edge's head on the chair. And he waits for a second because he's struggling with it. And then hits Edge with a concerto. This segment was one of the best things on Raw in a long time because it was real. And it's not Randy Orton attacking Edge real, but it's, my gosh, this guy just came back. We're so excited to see him. He had a serious neck injury. And now Randy Orton, what is he going to do? Is he going to smash it over his head? Is he going to kick the chair and make it smash in his neck? What is he going to do and how is he going to do this safely? And the crowd has a big a-hole chant. Some of them were in shock, and they didn't say anything. As Randy Orton stands over Edge, and Raw goes off the air. This this segment was fantastic, like you said. Randy Orton has this innate ability to where he can sit around for months, and you can think, man, what is Randy Orton doing? He's just he's just sitting around. Is this, is this really a Hall of Famer? Is this one of the best of all time, as a lot of people say? And yeah. then you have segments like this. And you're like, wow, he could main event WrestleMania tomorrow. This this is insane. I mean, to he hasn't had a whole lot of direction lately. I think since he separated uh, from the revival, and uh, to, I'm glad they have this story now to to push him with. And it was everything about it was so good. And the whole time you're guessing, hey, is is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? And then he just goes full on heel. Now you know. For sure, this is Randy Orton. This is who he's decided he wants to be. And it was great. I mean, it was it was cut and dry, and it was impactful. I mean, Edge's promo beforehand brought a lot of emotion. And the fact that they just went for the neck injury, I think, is very gutsy by the WWE. Um, the spot looked... Very dangerous, but really it's not. I, I I applaud them for doing such a safe spot, but somehow making it look so dangerous. Because um, all he's doing is hitting a chair on the ground. I mean, exactly. He didn't, he didn't even come in contact with his head. 
and, and he obviously trusts Randy Orton to do that. So that was that's nice. But uh, yeah, I love this segment. I loved what they're doing with Randy Orton now. I'm glad Edge is back. He's always been one of my favorites. And yeah, I look forward to where this is going to go. Hopefully a, a match at Mania or, or some big match here in the future. So the rumor is WrestleMania. And I, I think that's pretty clear where they're going. I mean, I guess technically they could wrestle at Elimination Chamber or Fastlane. No, just kidding. Nothing's going to happen at Fastlane. So that was Raw. And I'll tell you, with such a great opener, such an amazing ender, nothing happened. Nothing happened in between. So you had two hours, no, really two and a half hours of nothing. You had Aleister Black and Eric Rowan win jobber matches. You had Charlotte Flair and Humberto Carrillo winning with via DQ. It's just nothing happened, man. You had a roll-up on Kevin Owens. I just, It's just so difficult for me because if you guys listen to the Royal Rumble episode, you know how much we love that. Uh, and again, I know I've said a lot, but the Royal Rumble is my favorite match of the year. I prefer the Royal Rumble over WrestleMania, and this was such a good one. The Raw after the Royal Rumble was just meh. You had Drew McIntyre, who was over. His segment was awesome. You had Edge, who was over. His segment was awesome. Everything else was just meh. It's difficult for me to give this a meh grade because the beginning and ending of the show was so good. But you get a C- minus because, guys, Ooh. stop with the jobber matches. Stop with the DQs. Stop with the roll-ups. We don't want to see it. We just don't. It's not good. So to have such an amazing Royal Rumble, have such a hot opener for the show, and prepare to have such a great closer, and everything in between just be hot garbage? Give me a break. Give me a break. One of the best ending segments on Raw that I've seen in a long time. Really solid opener. I've said it a thousand times in this episode. No meat. Mediocre show. Just meh. That's, that's, that's rough. That's a rough grading right there. I, I think I'd give it at least a C+. But, you know, I really like Go ahead, trade it. Tell us why. I, I think I'd give it a C plus. You know, okay. it, for, all, for all the reasons you also said, great opener, great ending. Sure, there was a lot of crap in between it, which also, like I said, I watched the version on Hulu, so there's a lot less crap in between it. So more of the show was taken up by the good parts. But, uh, I mean, you're saying this is a below average show with a C minus. I think it's... A little above average just because of the return of Edge and the Drew McIntyre segment. And, uh, I mean, there were some there was some good wrestling in the show. None of the matches ended up being anything. But we saw some good spots. So I'd give it a C plus. Okay. That's fair. That's really not that far off. I just... I just... I, I, I'm so sick of WWE shows just being nothing shows. And Raw was so good last week. So good. I just, or was it two weeks ago? Forgive me, I can't remember. It might have been two weeks ago. But it was just so good. And I know they can put on a good show. And if you're going to do a jobber match, that's fine. I think one jobber match every single week is too much. But don't give me two. Also, Eric Rowan has been doing this stuff for like three months. Yeah, they don't know what's in this cage. It's tiring. No, they have no idea. They're like, let's give him a cage, pal. It'll be great. I'm like, what's going to be in the cage? I don't know. We'll figure something out. I think it's That's Shane's exactly lockbox. That's exactly what we're doing. That's what's in it. It's what? It's Shane McMahon's lockbox. Yeah, that, okay. Makes sense. I just, ugh. It just bothers me because this show could have been so, so good. I was hyped 
and then they took it away. And I, I didn't, you know, I still obviously very much enjoyed the main event. I had to sit through crap to get to it. And it's just frustrating. I don't know. What did you think, ladies and gentlemen? Let us know in the comments below. My name is Wrestle Life Matt. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us all on Instagram and Twitter, or excuse me, Instagram and Facebook at Wrestle Life Radio. And at Wrestle Life Pod on Twitter, you can listen to us absolutely everywhere, whatever you're listening to us on now. Uh, we prefer to use Spotify and Anchor just because it seems to be better quality. You can also do Radio Public or uh, literally any, any anywhere else. We're good. You want to listen to us? Find us. We're there. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. We'll be back this Wednesday with a full review show. That's right, of Raw, SmackDown, and AEW Dynamite. I hope you enjoy this old school show. We reviewed one wrestling show. Probably won't happen again for quite some time, but who knows? We'll see. We hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day. Absolutely.